Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 39. And I know that this is something that we look forward to, coming together and hearing the Word of God. I always enjoy seeing all of you. A lot of you have jobs and responsibilities, and many of you are leaders, and you see what's going on in the world, and so you're struggling a little bit with what uh, you could do or what you should do. And I just wanted to encourage you that one of the greatest things you could understand is that your faith needs to increase. In these days, we know that it's been kind of tough. I've talked about faith and how that when I come down here, that this is saving faith, and that's a plane that all of us have come to that place in this room. Hopefully, if you haven't come to the, to the, to the time where you've received Christ, I'm not talking about religion, but you've talked, I'm talking about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And maybe you've never come to that place. God is a, a God who wants a personal he wants you to experience a personal relationship with you, with him, and he does that through Jesus Christ. Well, we know that there's another step to our faith, takes us to a sustaining faith. Of course, there's a serving faith when we get on the level of serving God, and the serving God is pretty simple. You just do what he desires for us to do. But I think sometimes we need to remember that even during our serving time, we must rely upon this sustaining faith to be able to keep us during the storms of life. And so sometimes things get difficult and we get burdens and we get uh, times and seasons where we don't have the strength that we normally would have. And sometimes spiritually we're struggling. And so I want to talk to you about that, about your faith and how you can increase your faith and so how you can stay strong and looking in the Old Testament and understanding that God desired for us to be able to have faith just like the Old Testament prophets had. And faith like the Old Testament patriarchs had. Faith like uh, like Abraham and how Abraham had faith and he desired to hang on to the Lord and hang on to the promises of God. You think about all the things that Abraham was looking forward to and it just seemed like it wasn't happening. It seemed like life was difficult and it was a struggle. And sometimes that happens to us where the Lord allows us to go through difficult times of waiting on the Lord and thinking it's never going to happen. That's that patience we need to be careful that we don't get ahead of God. And Abraham was learning that. And Abraham had that kind of faith. And God knew that he could trust Abraham. And that Abraham would, would, um, would teach his family and allow his family to learn the things of God and how to obey God. And so uh, he chose Abraham. We understand that. And if we look at the life of Abraham, we see then his son Isaac and how that Isaac was able to understand the need of, of building wells, of course, and he built altars. And Isaac was more of a quiet one, if you would, and sitting back. And sometimes they, they would have enemies come to take his well, and he would just build another well. It's a story in its own that sometimes when you build a well and people want to draw from that well, it's best for you to go dig another well instead of being contentious to the other person. It's always best, I believe, to just walk away and let them take care of that. If, if you decide to be a leader in that area, you got to sacrifice. And so Isaac taught us that understanding. He was able to teach from a distance today. And I understand about Jacob, his son, of course, and you had the promise flowing through. You had it going to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. And of course, Jacob, with his struggling faith, he held on to God and he held on to God until he was blessed. Remember how he wrestled with God and how he was able to then uh, uh, be, be blessed by God and God changed his name, and we were talking about that a little bit this morning, that uh, I, I really believe that God grabbed a hold of Jacob 
And he was wrestling with the angel. If you can remember the angel of the Lord wrestling with him. And then he said, who are you? And I'm wrestling, you know, when you're that close to somebody and hanging on to them, you, you want to answer them. And he, he says, Jacob. He comes out with his name, and his name means schemer, uh, supplanter, if you will. And so I really believe that God was bringing Jacob to the place where he admitted who he really was, broken to that place, and saying, now you're actually being real with me, and, and now I can use you to be Israel. And then he blessed him with that wonderful name. And we know all of the sons of Israel. And as we talk about um, Isaac, and we talk about Jacob, and we talk about all of these men, we see the faith that was involved with them and how that God used them because of their faith. And then we come to Joseph. And Joseph, what a great man. Oh, I think about Joseph and I think about a confident faith and how he had that desire to to be confident in the Lord. And no matter what happens to me, I will be able to move through whatever God has because of the faith that I have placed in him and in God. And I think he looked at his grandfather and as his great-grandfather and as his great-great-grandfather, he, in his mind, being a human man, knew that he was going to do great things for God through faith. And Joseph had that confidence in the Lord. And I think that we need to have that confidence. Someone said that faith really is necessary for us to live the Christian life. And so I want to preach to you a message I t- entitled, A Faith That Stands the Test. And so as we think about this, what is faith? A lot of people have, have given us definitions of faith. You may have one. Uh, someone put it, put it as an acrostic, forsaking all I trust him as far as faith is concerned, and uh, forsaking all I trust him. Um, taking God as his word is another uh, definition of faith, just taking God at his word. And, and I like that because it's pretty simple. I'm kind of a simple person, and so when I find these things that faith is just taking God at his word, then I can have the faith that actually can move mountains if I take the faith uh, and place it upon God who can actually do all things. And again, someone else said this, seeing the promises of God as present realities. And so uh, the, all the promises of God, we come up with them and, and we look at those promises like God is not slack concerning his promises and we understand that God wants all to come to repentance and we actually see that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We take God at his word and, and we can hang on to those promises and in the dark times when they come into our life and when we're confused, we can hang on to God's promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that it if we confess our sin to him, he'll cleanse us and, and really from all unrighteousness, he'll forgive us and then make us clean again. And so God can do all of that. And so there is a need for us to have that faith to, to understand that, that God actually wants us to take his realities, if you would, or his promises and make him into a, a reality for our present day. Then someone said that faith is living your life in such a way that makes sense only because God exists. People are watching you, and they know whether you're a person of faith or not. I remember this week being in the office and having a guy come in and, and uh, check out the downstairs and uh, the gas and, and uh, was it uh, Madison Gas and Electric were here, and they were checking out our furnace and the gas lines, and, and one of the gas lines for our for our church is buried outside and it's, it's supposed to be exposed because it might rot away and could be a problem. And so uh, I was talking to him a little bit afterwards, but my desire was to find out if he knew Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. 
And it was such a blessing and, and such a sweet time. Uh, we talked about the Lord together, and I, I talked to him about his family and was able to learn that he has children and, and how long he's been working for Madison Gas and Electric. And, you know, if the rapture was to take place when I was talking to him, we both go up. And so it was a blessing to know that. And I think people are watching you, people of faith on the job, and they want to look and see somebody that they can relate with and somebody that maybe has different struggles in their life that they could actually share things with and, and talk to. And so let your faith shine at work. And so remember that living your life in such a way that makes sense only because God exists. Someone else said that your faith must be exercised to be strong. I, I believe that. Um, and we must exercise our faith. We, we, we know that God allows us to step out in situations by faith. And we, we know that God will be there. And sometimes we find more comfort in the boat, don't we? And all the disciples were in that boat, and they were with Peter, of course, and they saw the Lord on the water. And remember, Peter was the only one that said, if that's you, then bid me to come. And Jesus said, it's me, Come. And, of course, he stepped out of the boat, uh, but it's more comfortable to stay in the boat, isn't it? And so it takes faith to step out of the boat and step into what you believe God wants you to do. And, and I just want to encourage you is don't wait till COVID is over to serve God. Don't wait for coronavirus to, to get over until you serve God. Well, I'll, I'll be a Sunday school teacher. I'll, I'll get baptized or I'll, get, I'll join the church once COVID is over. Don't be that person. Step out now and say, I'm going to go forward. And, and, and God may be trying us and testing us as Christians to see really what we're made of. Are, are we going to go forward for God? Or are we going to sit home and, and do nothing for God? And maybe, maybe someday do a little bit someday. But maybe today God is working in your heart and you realize, that it's time for you to step forward so that you can serve God, whether it's being an usher, whether it's teaching Sunday school or special music, God wants to use you. And I praise God for the local church. I remember going to church with my mom and dad and having people gather together on Sunday and seeing everybody and you put on your Sunday go meeting clothes and you, you greet everyone, everybody and it's so fun to be there. That's what church is all about. Seeing one another and encouraging one another and edifying and building up one another. Amen. And we can do it best when we gather like this this morning. What a blessing. Looking forward to being downstairs with some of you so I can actually get to know you better and talk to you and maybe share some things with you. But it's important for us to model our faith and to be able to show others our faith. And Joseph was like that. What a man. I think it's interesting as we think about him because the Bible has many chapters concerning him. And I want to cover his life a little bit this morning and show you that a faith that stands the test must do it in three areas, if I could just give them to you this morning. I, I really believe the first area is a, a faith that stands the test of trial. And so trials are going to come to all of us, and we know this. Um, trials come in all kinds of shapes and forms, and some of them are internal and some of them are external. Some of them are psychological. Some of them are, are, are really, really physical and some aspects of, of your... Some of them are emotional. But these are trials that we go through. They're real, the reality of life is that we have them. And each of us have them. And I believe they're uniquely given to us at times because God is desiring to what? 
to build up your faith. Isn't that what James is all about? He is trying to help the church at Jerusalem to know that they're going to have trials and you need to have faith to be able to get through those trials and putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely essential. And so we see a faith really that stands the test of trial um, in, in, in Joseph's life. Turn with me, if you would, back over to chapter 37 of, of Genesis. I could actually stay in this chapter and stay on this subject till Jesus comes, but uh, we got to move along quickly this morning. I'm going to have the Spanish-speaking church up here in about 25 minutes or so, or 20 minutes, and so we won't go very much longer than that in case you were wondering. But here we have the wonderful story of Joseph. And Joseph is how old? Anybody know? 17 years old, it says in the Bible. He was here in chapter 37. That's very young. I remember when I was 17, I was a junior in high school. Do you remember when you were 17 years old and maybe perhaps you were a little bit more uh, aggressive in the area of life that you should have been? Uh, But you go back to that kind of a mindset, you understand a little bit more of Joseph and what he's going through here uh, and, and the explanation of what happens. And, and we all know that in this particular portion of Scripture that in beginning in verse number 1, if you would, of 37, I'm just going to read it to you, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren and we, we go a little bit further down, of course, in verse number 3. And now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And there's been a lot of talk about the coat of many colors and many of you uh, understand this. And there's even been songs about the coat of many colors that was made for Joseph. And, of course, the brothers saw that. And verse number 4 says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all the brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You know, whenever you don't like someone, it's hard to look him in the eye. You ever notice that? When you don't really care for someone, if you're upset with them, you don't give them any eye contact. I've been pastoring a long time. And so I know when someone's dealing with some things, there might be something in their life. I watch their eyes because your eyes tell so much. And sometimes when people don't look you in the eye, they're a little bit embarrassed, perhaps, or they're shy. And now watch, every single one of you will be thinking afterwards, when I talk to pastor, I'm looking right in the eye, you know. (laughs) I want to make sure I do that now from now on. But it's so true, isn't it? And so the brothers had a little bit of a hard time looking at him and talking to him or speak peaceably about him or even with him because they hated him. It says in verse number uh, uh, 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And, of course, we know that the dreams he had, and he goes on to talk about how that the dreams actually prove that they're supposed to bow down to him. Verse number 7, And behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my, my, uh, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. Behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance or bowed down or reverence to, to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Oh, little did they know. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine this? They're thinking, we don't like him anyway. And then he's going to give, tell us this? It made it even worse. We know that, that Joseph was so young, and his brothers were pretty old probably, and maybe more mature in some areas. But in the bottom of verse number 8, it says, And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And so they were probably thinking, I just wish he would shut up, you know. 
And even his father responded in a wrong way as we look at verse number 10. And he told it to his father and to his brother. And then his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my, thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow ourselves to thee, to the earth? I mean, you're being ridiculous, young man. This can't happen to you. Some of you probably have uh, dreams. I don't know. Some dreams are kind of weird, aren't they? You, see, you know, you have a dream, you think, well, where did that come from? That was kind of weird, kind of shook you up a little bit. You say, well, I'm so glad that didn't happen. How many of you had a dream and it was bad and you woke up and say, oh, I'm glad it wasn't a dream, you know. Uh, but sometimes you have a dream and think, well, I wish that would happen. You know, you, you actually were at the door when you opened it up. It was the lottery people and then you won the lottery and they're going to give you, oh, the sweepstakes. That's what it was, you know, and you'd have a million dollars the rest of your life for 50 years, you know, and you're not even going to live 50. You're already 100 already when they come to your door. You know, it's amazing how that we have these dreams. But he had a dream that people were going to bow down to him. And how could this happen? And how could he allow his brothers to, to, to respect him? And that someday they were going to have to bow down. And of course, there was this rebuke from the father. It's amazing how he came from a big family. And he, he did right. He was favored. We know that Joseph was. And God spoke to Joseph through dreams. And I think if we look at the study of, of Joseph and we were able to see his life just a little bit this morning, we would understand that, that he actually had to pay the price uh, from other people's hatred and, and envy. And, and so his brothers were going to put, put him away and he had to be thrown into a pit. Look, look with, with me, if you would, at chapter 37, verse 23, when it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brother, and remember how that he was going to go tell his brother and check on him and make sure he was doing okay. And verse number 23 of chapter 37 says that they stripped Joseph out of his, off of, out of his coat. I mean, they wanted that coat and his coat of many colors that was on him. And, and they took him and cast him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And then they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt to remember that the Ishmaelites were blood brothers, if you would. And so they weren't like some foreign people to them. They, they understood that, that, that their dad had uh, Ishmael, of course, uh, through the handmaid. And, of course, she was cast out because she wasn't part of the inheritance. And Ishmael wasn't. So Hagar and Ishmael were in the wilderness. And, and the line of blessing came from Abraham to Isaac and then on to Jacob and then on to Joseph. And we could go on and on and on to see the blessing of God. But in this particular passage, we see that they came down and they were going to actually... Uh, bring their spices to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brother in verse 26, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Question mark. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. And of course, we know that the story goes on that they sell him. And of course, they take his garment and they place blood upon it. 
Um, and then they say that the, some animal got it, and you can see the grief of a father when, when, when uh, Israel hears this, and he goes through the difficult time. But let me just, just give you a little bit of an understanding when it comes to faith and bring us back to the topic, is a faith that stands the test of trial. You'll have difficulties in your life, and Joseph was being prepared through trials in his life. If someone says, well, I, I've had so many of them. God's going to use you. Sure as I'm standing before you, God allows those trials to come into your body. They might be self-inflicted wounds, maybe even, but they're still trials. They're difficulties because you've got to learn. And God's in the business of bringing you from one place to the next, and he wants you to get to that place. And the only thing that will bring you to that place is having those difficult things happen to you. So your dependency is upon him. And so they took him and threw him in the pit. And so here's Joseph. Can you imagine? The pit of discouragement, the pit of fear. Well, they're really real. You know, fear, someone said that fear is false evidence appearing real, you know. And so he can imagine, he's thinking in his mind, they're going to kill me. They're going to leave me in here. There's no water, you know. How long am I going to be here? Am I going to starve to death? You know, sometimes when we go through discouragement, Satan speaks to us. And says to us, you're never going to get out of this. Nothing's ever going to change. You're always going to be like this. You're always going to be in this kind of condition. You know what? Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Today, we're dealing with a lot of people with a lot of fear. They're trying to cover it up, aren't they? Trying to act real tough. You know, people are afraid. Because of the unknown. I don't know why we need 25,000 soldiers in D.C. There's a million people there on the 6th of January. 13 were from Antifa. By the way, you can look this up. I'm telling you the truth. Why would we be afraid of God's people? Why would we be afraid? Why is it that all of this is happening because of fear? And, And let me tell you something. If 80 million people love this president, then why are we having all the soldiers there? Don't you think they would fight and say, wait a minute, I want to see my president put in place. I have the right. Something's going to happen to your folks. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm not really, uh, maybe I'm not um, totally together on what's going to happen. But I don't think you put 25,000 soldiers in Washington, D.C., because we don't even have that many in Afghanistan. It's interesting how that fear will make really unrational decisions. And it might just be that these guys were just going to exercise their ability to to take a stand somewhere. Maybe that's what it will all be out. You know, everything will be peaceable, and we'll be back here next Sunday, and it'll be fine. But it just seems like... two months, I keep hearing that something's going to happen in a few days. Something's going to happen in a few days. You better fill up your car. You better get, the, you better get water. You better. Have, you, have you been that way? Have you been hearing these things? Yeah, I have been. Sometimes I just sit in my office and go, oh my goodness, look at all these things that could happen. And it can take me away from what's really happening. And if we're not careful, we can get discouraged and we can be like down in the pit like Joseph. And remember this, that faith will not be afraid. And perfect love casts out all fear. 
and put your faith in the trust and, un- and everything that you have, put it right in the hands of God and just trust him. He's worthy of that. And I, when I think of, of Joseph and having that, that, that trial and being tested concerning uh, being put in the pit and that discouragement, and I think that there's more trials that come. But stand, a faith that stands the test of, uh, of trial and trial of discouragement. Then I see a faith that stands the test of temptation. And so he had a faith that actually would continue to move forward even when he was tested. And, and remember that these men then took him and they put him on the backside, but it was just probably a flat bed behind camels being pulled through. And, and he could see his brothers. I, I can imagine what Joseph was going through somewhat when he saw the ones that sold him should have loved him. But they rejected him. Hated him the same way that Jesus was accepted by some and rejected by others, and how he came and he he struggled, and those that should have loved him rejected him. We think about about the the, the forgiveness that was in Joseph Joseph and he, how he forgave. I'm sure that as he was driving away, his faith was so strong in the Lord that he said, "I forgive you, brothers, for not loving me." Those were the brothers that should have taken care of him and taught him. I have four sons, and the brothers take care of each other, and they try the best they can to teach each other. You can imagine the hatred between brothers so bad that they would sell one of them. One of them decided that they were going to kill him, and, oh, we'll just go ahead and sell him and go down. And so it's interesting what happens to him is they sell him, and then he begins working for uh, the prison uh, Chief over the prison. Look what it says in chapter 39, verse number 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, uh, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And so we know that he's in now in the hands of Potiphar. We know that he has a wife. And on all the things that Potiphar was taking care of, uh, he was, Joseph was, was brought in to take care of all of those things, and he had the rule over his whole house, everything. But you can, do, you can take care of all this, but don't touch my wife. <laughs> you know, that's what the thinking was for, for um, Potiphar and toward him and, and toward, uh, toward Joseph. I want to pick up verse number 7 because of time. It says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in the house than I, and neither hath kept back anything from me but thee. And so he's explaining to her that, that he's been given charge over everything, But he says in verse number 9, the latter part of it, Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And ultimately, this really, when we're tempted, we're saying, how can I really go into this and sin against God in all of this? Remember when David was confessing in Psalm, he says, you know, I sinned against thee, O God. Well, didn't he do something else toward other people? Yes, he did, but ultimately we're sinning against God. And so Joseph knew this. It was in his mind. It was in his heart. And he's saying in verse number 10, and it came to pass that she spake to Joseph day by day. So it was not just a one-time thing. 
It was day by day by day she'd come in and say, come on, we, we can have this affair together. And it came to pass that she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went out to the house to do the business and there was none of the men in the house therein. And she caught him by his garment, said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled. And she got him out. We know the story, but the temptation was there. But he denied and got himself out. You know, folks, let me tell you something. It's nothing new. And many of you know this, that God always gives us a door of escape when we're tempted. And there's nobody in this room that goes without being tempted. Everybody gets tempted. Jesus was tempted. What did Jesus do? Of course, we could have a whole sermon on that. He went back to the word of God. And he went back and he fought Satan by the word. And so grab on to some verses. Oh, it's some verses that will help you through difficult time. I try to put a verse in my pocket or a prayer list, and I really appreciate someone recently wrote down their prayer request to me and gave it to me. If you could do that, folks, that would be so much better than just telling me, would you pray for me? Because unless I pray for that person right then, I sometimes forget. This morning I had a phone call, pray for us, pastor, so pray for the olders. They have high fevers, or he does anyway, and so they wanted to stay home today. And Jeanette's going to the East Coast to pick up her parents and bring them back to Wisconsin. And so Kyle and Jeanette asked me to pray, so I could pray for them. Ask the people to pray. And so if you, if you would write those prayer requests down on a 3 by 5 card so I can put it in my pocket, it'll help me to pray, and I certainly will pray for you. And when I say I'll pray for you, I will pray for you. But it'd be easier to have that little bit of a note so I can remember those things. And my memory isn't as good as it was 23 years ago. Because sometimes I spend a lot of time figuring out where I am in my notes, even though I don't have any this morning. But I think it's interesting as we think about this because now he is actually being tempted to sin against God in the area of adultery and being involved with this sin uh, that is horrible. And so we, we actually look at it and say, wow, David was able, or I mean, Joseph was able to get out and get away from here. He did. But then you know what? She lied, didn't she? He said, look at his garment still here, you know. And, and, and so the husband then he lies to her, lie upon lie upon lie. And so then they take Joseph, and we know they put him in prison. But faith that stands the test of temptation. And all of us are tempted at times, and some of us go through temptation. And, you know, let me just say this about temptation. Satan has been watching you, and he knows what area you're weak in. And so he'll bring things along to to lure you in, you know? And remember that if you give in to that, you're actually giving in to your pleasures or your lusts. And, and when you continue to do that, the end of it is death. You know, it's not nothing nice. We have to say no. And by the way, the best thing to do when you're tempted, tempted, tempted or during a temptation is, is not to say, no, 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 no. I just, just forced myself to say no. You can say that. But what we need to say is, dear Lord Jesus, at this time, I yield to you. In your spirit, come, fill me, Lord. Help me now. Give me strength. I yield to you. I, I, I submit to you. Remember where it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you? This is the way it goes. 
we begin to submit to God during temptation and say, Lord, I'm submitting to you. You know the situation I'm in right now. Would you help me so I can do right? Even when no one's watching, Lord, I want to live a pure life. I want to have your blessings. And so during this temptation, Father, I yield to you completely. You know what happens? God will give you strength just like that. We're talking in the men's class this morning about how precious the word of God is. Because I really believe that if you go through temptation and you get to the other side and you did not give in, God is going to bless you. The word of God will be beckoning you to come and you can open up and have that fellowship with the God of heaven. And God will give you that strength to continue to do what he desires for you to do. And have that kind of faith to, to, go, to be strong. Even during times of being tempted, Joseph was like that. Times of discouragement. Times of being tempted, God's spirit will be there to help you and to lift you up. And then the last thing I want you to see in the passage is a faith which stands the test of time. Wow. You know, sometimes we're, we're wondering where God is when he's right there trying to help you. He's been there all the time. But we think that God has to work when we want him to work or the way that we want him to work. And sometimes God is just saying, let's wait a little bit. I've seen so many Christians fall by the wayside, make really, really not so good decisions because of the lack of patience, and let God be God. God desires for us to be patient. We should turn to, 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 to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, I want to read it to you. Give you an understanding of what to do when you go through times of being tested. The Bible says in verse number one of Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's right there for you at that particular time. He's waiting to see your response, and all you got to do is look at him. I'm so thankful that God wants our, us to focus our eyes upon him. Just waiting for you. Remember Joshua, when he was just a little boy, he's here this morning, but I remember when he was a little boy, and, and, and he, he wanted to help me take out the garbage and stuff. And He was always trying to help, and so I said, you grab that bag, I'll grab this bag, buddy. And so he took that bag of garbage, and he was drawing it to the door, and he got to the door, he opened up the door, and he's trying to pull it through, and it's stuck in the door. It's super heavy. That was really, really heavy. It was all full of this black stuff that goes on foam they put underneath carpeting, you know, and he couldn't get it through the door. I'm just waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And pretty soon he looked at me after he tried everything. He even went out, opened the door, and pulled on it. He knew what he was doing. He looked at me and he said, Daddy, help. And so I picked him up, picked up the bag of garbage. We took it out and I said, Joshua, look at me. I can help you, but you got to ask. You got to ask. Give me, the, give me the attention. God's the same way, dear friend. He wants us to look to him in our very present time of trouble. He's waiting for you to look at him and to rely upon him. And you can say, Daddy, help. And our Father in heaven will help you. He will give you an internal strength and a power that you've never had before to do what is right in that situation and to make wise decisions.
Look at verse number two. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, a stream, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her at that right early. Or, or, or when the morning appears, it's, it's an early, it's got to be right there. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, and the utter uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, come. Behold the works of the Lord, and what desolations he hath made in the earth, and makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth, and he breaks the bow, and he cuts the spear in sunder, and he burns the chariot with fire. So be still, and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. If we could learn one thing during troubles, it's just number one, is to be still and know that he is God. Number two, cast your burden upon the Lord. Take your burden and give it to him. Number three, let God take care of what you can't take care of. Let God do it. It's pretty simple. You think, oh, what are we going to do? God will take care of you. He's on the throne. He's your God. Be still and know that he is sovereign. He's helped out your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather all through the centuries. God has been working and helping his people, and he will help this generation if we just be still and know that he is God. The last thing I want you to do is remember that there is power. We meditate upon his word, a power that, that you can have that, that God will give you, power that will come and strengthen you. And I think it's important for us to remember that we need power when we're discouraged. Power over temptation. Purpose when mistreated. We can go from a pit to a prison and to a position because that's what happened to Joseph. God promises to meet all of our needs in the Scripture, in the New Testament. Doesn't he tell us that he'll meet all of our needs? Then why do we question him? We ought not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. He will use things to get your mind off of the Lord. By the way, He's using fear and anger these days, isn't he? Fear and anger. And both of them, don't waste your energy. Use your energy to love and to provoke one another to love. And God will help you do that. You see, it's pretty simple. But we understand that that faith then is going to be tested. It'll strengthen as you say yes to God and no to what you want to do. No to what Satan wants you to do. Say yes to God. Yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, I'll trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. My answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Be like Joseph in these days, a man of faith, blessed and used of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment this morning. Maybe there's someone here this morning who would say, Pastor Howell, I've never trusted Christ. I've been really thinking about my religion and trying to do all I can do to, to be just a good person, but I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. You know what, dear friend, the Bible says, I write these things unto you that you may know you have eternal life. You can know for sure. You can know that you know that you know that when they fold your hands on your chest at the funeral home, that you'll be in heaven. You can know that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so maybe this morning someone maybe would say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Just lift up your hand, put it back down. Again, I won't point you out. Just say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm not sure. Just lift your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Then, then this was for you, dear Christian brother and sister. And Maybe your faith has been weak. Maybe you're going through times of trial or temptation or you're thinking, you know what, when is my time going to come? Why don't you give it all to God today? Just say, yes, Lord. And, and maybe you'd come. This is an old-fashioned altar, so if you need to come, you can come. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just stand where you are this morning? I'm going to have the piano pray in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and then I'll have her play. And, and maybe you just need to come down and just deal with things. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.